and then it's you. It's really you who is showing up at the encounter with reality, with life, with the world. And right there and then, which is here now, is where change happens in you, in society, in the world, for the better. In fact, this is the only ultimate reality, the present, experienced fleshly. And there's a tone of pleasure in being this, let's say, embodied, this in this state of made flesh, which is our natural state. And you see it in the hunters, in like in the guys hunting. And you see it in the lioness. That's our natural state. When you are alive, dreaming, ready to snap, but resting in the present. It, this is a sensuous state. That's the voice of my guest, Candia Raquel, a sensualist, a scientist, and an artist. She says sensuality is our birthright. Sensuality is pleasure derived through our senses and moving free from inhibition and full of self-expression. To be with the sensuous is to be connected to the present moment. In this wide-ranging conversation, we talk about the relationship between pain and pleasure, how our culture numbs us from sensuality. We talk people-pleasing, boundaries, and internal authority. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Expand Your Ability podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Schwinghammer. This show explores how we can connect to who we truly are by stepping out of our thinky, thinky minds and entering in through our senses and movement. A little bit more about our guest. Candida Raquel is the host of the Central Sessions podcast and founder of Centro de Poder, who enjoys contemplating trees and drinking tea. She's dedicated to helping workaholics overcome numbness and embody sensuality through somatic movement. All right, here's our conversation. <laughs> hey there, Candia. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Uh, I think this is a really big topic, a really important topic that we're going to talk about, sensuality and pleasure. And I'm, I'm curious here at the start, would you share a little bit about what do we mean by sensuality? What do we mean by pleasure? Sensuality, well, I define it very loosely and broadly as sensing pleasure through the senses and moving in a way that is free from inhibition and full of self-expression. So that's sensuality to me. And I want to share this message of, of our true nature being sensuous from birth. And this goes beyond sexuality, which is the, the, one of the few domains where sensuality is like welcomed and i believe that actually sensual pleasure meaning this felt sense of of delight it's not only our birthright but pleasure is another 
word for health itself, another word for life force brimming that is experienced as vitality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's a really great point that we're the, the, the picture here is much bigger than sexuality, which is a common association with sensuality. This is this is this is the whole picture. You said life force, um, kind of your true nature. It's it's our human right to experience the world through our senses. Yes, especially the the experience of pleasure and delighting in in pleasure. Yeah. So, what what is it that people experience when they don't experience that pleasure through their senses like like what is what is that why does that happen why does that happen well uh numbness we live yeah numbness in a sort of cultural fleshly anesthesia and like it's it's even um thought of numbness as being stoic, though actually numbness has to do more with um, with a lack of maturity and, and, and the need to comply and to fit in, which is understandable, but uh, I believe that we are in a culture where pleasure has become a product. Not that it truly can become a product, but we are sold into the idea of pleasure being a product. Meaning, you want to taste something nice, go to the Starbucks and pay for it, like, easy. Or if, if you want to, to have a sophisticated pleasure, go to the Mac store and get yourself the new iPhone and we we have like this cultural atmosphere of of hustling to make bank to get the babe as in scarface and get the boat and pay for the vacations in the bahamas which is like the promised land of pleasure that is very far away in the future after so much work, hard work and sacrifice that is supposed to be applauded, mixed with heroism and martyrdom. But the problem is when you finally make bank, get the babe, buy the boat and go to the Bahamas, is that you'll get bored on the third day. You won't know what to do with yourself when you face yourself. When you face being with nothing else but your own flesh. Why? Because if we are numb, if, if, if we have forgotten how to sense in a fleshly way through our senses, uh, it's not going to happen overnight because like you are in the Bahamas that you're going to have a good time. And that's why people are looking for over-the-top transformational experiences. So they go to the Bahamas or to Tulum and they go to the Temazcal and they get the cold plunges right away and then the hypnotherapy 
and then um, this uh, ayahuasca ceremony, and then bungee jumping. <laughs> and then, like, throw also yourself from an airplane. So, so you get to sense something. Because we are so numb that we don't sense a thing. The only thing that we feel is severe pain when we are literally screaming out of pain on the emergency room. So we've become so numb and so deaf to, to our very essence of self that is the, the ability to, to feel our, our flesh that we become both numb to pain and pleasure. And this walling off is like seen as heroical as like, um, I don't know, toughen up you little boy, man up, which is mm -hmm. also to women. Like don't express emotions or don't, don't be angry. Don't show your anger because you're, you're going to scare your, your, guy away because you're not gonna you're not on your feminine energy and you're not embodying the the divine and you're not gonna manifest that because you're not vibrating high on that free so we are immersed in this culture of walling off from from our mere experience which is dangerous yeah, yeah and just to, to make a, a reference for, for, for the nerdy ones here listening, talking about numbness, we can refer to what Thomas Hanna coined as sensory motor amnesia. So hmm. we, we suffer for of a kind of a peculiar kind of amnesia that is forgotten how to sensory motor, how to sense our own movement, which is, of course, restored through neuromuscular reorganization. And by, by restoring the sense of self, the, in, and, and not in, on a discursive way that I am cool and I have my credentials and I am a good person, and I don't need money. And no, no, I am talking about a, not not a societal, not a discursive sense of self, but an ultimately real sense of self, physiologically speaking, like a a, a self recognition from our material existence, like our skeleton, our flesh, and from there coming forth in the world to the world yeah. and moving and welcoming the world and expressing free from inhibition yeah yeah right on um the discursive sense of self i don't quite know what you mean by that would you help me with that word yeah so uh i'm talking about our way of describing ourselves culturally, which has a discursive tone. So discursive meaning words like, I am Candia Raquel, I am okay. a Mexican scientist, dancer, 
uh, that gave Pilates teacher trainings a lot of a decade. Right. And I like reading bulk magazines. I have a pile from floor to to ceiling here in my studio. And I, I love to play with dinosaurs when I was little. So all of that is true, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is a, a description of, of an ego self, like a um, relational right. interface that is very useful to be in society. Like we need that. But we are, we are not what we say about ourselves only. We are not uh, our past, nor our aspirations only. And all of that is true. It's a fact, but it's part of our discursive mind. It's, it's a discursive idea of, idea of ourselves, which is very mm-hmm. different to the domain of the sensations. Mm, yes. And and the sense of self thrives, lives, is rooted in the sensations. And sensations only exist in the present. I'm not talking about emotions. I'm talking about physical sensations. For example, you wake up in the morning, lights are off. And then you're you're heading to the toilet and then bam, you hit your little toe with the bedside table and you scream, ah, and like <laughs> pain <laughs> is really real. Pain, like pain is really real. It exists in the present only mm-hmm. for And now we can, we can think for, for example, of a toothache, which is one of the worst and highest level of 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 pain it's it's disabling tooth pain toothache and we can remember that but we cannot feel that so it's not a sensation it's it's a memory it's a discursive description of something that happened but when it's happening like it's in the now which is to say that pleasure operates in the same way pleasure mm only happens in the present as a sensation. Of course, we, we can have pleasurable thoughts or pleasurable emotions. We can think stuff that make us feel good at a fleshly level. We can think stuff that make us worry so much that we get to have a real heart attack. So, like, <laughs> we, we are a tapestry of different cognitive domains, so to say. But I am referring to to these different aspects of the self and placing the highlight on, on the fleshly felt sense of self, meaning how does it feel sensorily to be yourself. Right. And in that sensation, you can experience both pain and pleasure if you're not walling off from the experience. If you're numb, if, if you are under anesthesia, you're not going to feel pleasure and you're not going to feel pain. Mm-hmm. So the idea of 
of sensuality is to 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 melt this wedge that we have in in our own experience this this walling off from from the direct emerging of of life and reality as it is in the moment raw which yeah. give us the most important i mean important in a term in, in terms of relevance of life and death and i'm going to tell you why sensing especially pleasure why sensing pleasure is a matter of life and death so pain and pleasure have very specific pathways in our nervous system and this is our primary source of immediate information on reality and it travels faster than thought in the nervous system and we have reflexes associated both to pain and pleasure like we have the knee-jerk reaction like if you get a blow in a specific corner of your knee or or your elbow you're, you're gonna snap off in the same way that if, if you climax on the right way you're gonna orgasm like and and the pelvis is gonna move and do their stuff and you may try to get in the way and block it and you will end up with a low back injury either pain or pleasure and we we are wired in this way because this this what this is what by means of natural selection persisted along thousands of millions of years of evolution to this very moment that is the very apex of of life in the earth that is you that is us and why because we have this innate certainty of what is good and what is bad good meaning it's gonna help you stay alive like the bees ah, 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 stay in life that's what we want <laughs> and, <laughs> and what we don't want that is pain so for example baby biting a rotten apple it's gonna spit mm -hmm. it out no matter what like I don't care if my parents are watching me, if I'm going to get like punished, I, babies don't give a fuck. They are going to spit it out and cry and make a tantrum in regards to pain. And, and we will, at any age, may, maybe, you, maybe you are having a spoonful of rotten soup at the dinner with the royal family. So maybe you're not going to spit it out in the face of the queen, rest in peace. <laughs> but maybe you're going to like do something like you're going to try to avoid the next spoonful because you know that rotten soup is bad for you. Mm -hmm. So that's our immediate response to say pain from a felt sense perspective. And the same yeah. applies to pleasure. So 
so you grab a mango from a tree here in Mexico that when it's mango season, the trees are so fat, hanging tons of mangoes that you can like pull the mango out of the tree and it's perfumed and and it's like the nectar drips in your hands and it's all sweet and deliciously exquisite that it makes you flip your eyes upward like mangoes are exquisite or your favorite food so you're gonna take the next bite and the next and the next and the next because you do know that that pleasure means the ripe fruit is at its most nutritious point Mm -hmm. so like oh these are vitamins oh this is like quality sugar for for my system and this is this is the ultimate truth of the flesh and we are culturally freaked out about this to the point that we numb ourselves out like we don't want to we don't want to know what's real right it's it's such a such a big cultural issue yeah right um because we all we have many reasons to numb ourselves right there's many challenges that we have in our lives there's um you talk about the intellect as kind of separate from the sensual right we can be so in our heads so focused on what we're planning for next week next month the next quarter um we, we can be worried about the past we can be in this conceptual mental landscape and of course it has an effect on us physically and uh sensorily too but being up here is not really being in the moment and exactly. and if we do that enough or if we resist the sensations we develop that numbness yes. more and more numb and then what you were saying earlier is like well if you're numb you need a bigger hit of sensation to feel it yeah right to go on yeah. those big weekends those big you know displays all those things that numbness like it makes it dramatic to experience sensation whereas yeah. i think you talk about having a smaller more personal, more in the moment, more simple sense of sensuality. Is that right? Yes, we we are operating on fast and furious mode. (laughs) (laughs) Stronger, better, harder. I don't know the the title of the Daft Punk song, but it goes along those lines, Mm -hmm. like overproductivity, overachieving, disregarding the natural cycles of life, business as usual. Let's keep on working no matter if, if it's like icing cold. And this yeah. is this goes back to the Industrial Revolution and to Descartes and science, the, the, bad, the bad interpretation of science and back to the Greeks of prioritizing the cognitive aspect of discursive thinking above Mm. the immediate sensory feedback. But this, I believe, being a cultural misinterpretation, uh, 
probably from before the Greeks with, with this idea of mind over matter. So then we think that our mind, our thinking mind is above or, or a higher, more sophisticated, more human domain. And then we think that we are not animals, but humans, though we are like in the kingdom animalia along the dogs and the horses and like even more vulnerable than them. But at the same time, the Greeks said in the oracle of Delphi the cognitive like like the gnosis like the the maximum strife of of knowing is tenet noche know yourself like that mm-hmm. that's yes. the goal of life and this know know yourself is i believe um not from a purely thinking discursive projective mind but but the present aspect of of the body and yeah the the thing is that we are missing the most important feedback for decision making if we numb our our senses because we we can project into the future, we can uh, learn from the past, which is very important. But we need to be grounded at the crossing of times. We we need to to rest our awareness at the very moment of the becoming that is the present so future cannot be without the present eternally unfolding so so future becomes the present by being in the present by walking the walk and if we don't do that then like just time passes by and we get uh, sicker if not older like now it's not a requirement to be old in order to be sick all this toxic culture of hustling is sickening Hmm. and the thing is that i i don't know if it was jung or who was it who said that if you're not in yourself or if you are not inhabiting in yourself, the collective unconscious will inhabit you, which in a way is good. Like if you don't know who you are, what you want, and you don't want to take responsibility for yourself and, and your doings, then the um, ought to be, ought to do, like the... Uber ich from Freud, the super yo, the I don't know the term in English, but like the duty yeah, self. Ego id super ego. Yeah, the the super ego takes over you, and then you behave like everyone is supposed to behave like a robot. Right. And you comply. It's that external then, authority, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you you get like possessed by an external authority, which is 
necessary at certain moments. Like, it's good, like, people that doesn't want to be fully claim their being, like, they can just like, go through the motions of life along with the with the tribe. So there's a certain belonging. And we needed that when we were little. Like, you better look a little bit like your parents so they recognize you as a part of the tribe because if you're a baby and you're not taken care of, you're going to die. <laughs> so, yeah. like, it's important that, that we did our thing as, as as children with the and and like complying to the super ego the problem is when you're 52 years old and and you're still um the little kid of your parents and looking for approval on the outside and denying your your pleasure and then being resented and then whatever so you you can like dwell in in being walled walled off and just to to wrap on, on this idea i want to say that experiencing pleasure is an act of maturity lacan said that no one like the only person that feels guilty is, is the person that betray their desire, the, the person that, that didn't follow they, their desire. And the thing with, with mm. desire, which leads to satisfaction and pleasure, is that everything has a price. Like, there's something that, that you have to give away. So... We are very good to give away pleasure for the sake of complying to the social superego. Like, yeah. okay, I work hard and then I get the desire that I am supposed to desire, that is the status. But then I sacrifice my real desire that is something that I can only find in myself. And the, which is a trap that you, you have the idea that you're going after what you desire, but you're actually sacrificing your desire to comply. So, um, what I really mean is that one has to sacrifice the certainty of fitting in the comfort of approval that you get by being a people pleaser in a way mm -hmm. so you can authorize yourself to experience pleasure yeah yeah what i'm hearing is you know as kids we grow up in the world and we're incredibly vulnerable as babies we're so vulnerable we need our parents we need our caregivers we are attentive to how other people are we're social creatures what they like, what they dislike. And as we grow and learn, we sort of um, persona. I, that's, I think that's what Feldenkrais called that. There's some sort of mask, right? Like this is how I get success as defined by my culture, right? And so part of that is like, well, if you might learn if I please people, I will feel safer 
as opposed to if I please myself or take care of myself or what do I need? If I, it's it's by going through other people that we get the sense of like, oh, I'm okay if I've taken care of everybody else. And, and that's no good over time if you've externalized all of that, disregarded your internal sensorial world that you, you don't even know is there, perhaps. You, you've lost track of it so much. Like, what is even feeling good inside? And then, yeah, then you might not know what to do, right? If you were to even consider, what do I want? What do I need? What do I all, all those questions yeah. that don't really have a basis, a, a source, if you're not tapped into your sensation, right? Yeah, and and it's, uh, of course, we, we learn about ourselves through the others. Like, we are not separated in any way. Independence is a political term. It's not a scientific term. But there's a very thin line of being mirrored through the others than defining our existence in the terms of the others. And there are mm. times that you you have no escape. You you either comply or 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 you're kicked out of, of your tribe. But there comes a moment when you have to to choose either it either I do the it's either you or it's me, like, like in self-defense, like if I have to choose between letting you kill me or defending my life, no matter what, taken to, to an extreme instance, like you cannot, uh, you cannot, um, place the other as a, as a priority you have to place yourself as a priority mm -hmm. and maturity and, and pleasure has like have this kind of of price of cost like i am i am taking ownership on my experience and I am taking back the authority in my life. And I am going to be the one that authorizes myself or the one that doesn't authorize myself to do things. For example, if I am at a dinner with the royal family and the soup is rotten, but I am expected to eat that, that soup, there's a, price, there's a price to pay in the situation. You either pay the price of belonging, acceptance, diplomacy, good matters, or you pay the price of betraying yourself, your, your very sense of self that is telling you this it's going to lead to illness, to stomachache and vomiting because the soup is rotten. And there are instances. There are instances that you may as well sacrifice yourself for a greater good, like for the sake of, of your kids, of someone you love. Like 
but but then it's a decision it's not a given it's it's not a a consent that is expected fr- from you to bypass mm. but if if it's not like an extreme instance then the thing is like no i'm i'm not going to have that soup and i'm going to get kicked out of buckingham palace or whatever and yes like my my partner is i don't know super turned on with my new haircut or my new biceps or whatever and i am not feeling in the mood for love <laughs> and rejecting the beloved my may end in resentment and even a breakup so it's like either either i run over myself or i run over the 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 other person so it that's the thing about to me that's the thing about taking ownership yeah being the authority and, and being mature yeah that's so great um uh my teacher jeff holler talked often about maturity that the feldenkrais work is about becoming more mature and what i hear you saying is like if we have this compulsive habit, something really old, something really familiar to us, where we make the same decision time and time again, that we people please, or we defer to others, or maybe we shrink and get shy, or all of these ways that we, you know, protect ourselves, right? If we compulsively do that, or if you're at Buckingham Palace, as you said, and like, do you say something about the soup? Do you not have the bad soup? Even though there's the pressure, right? Like, do you have a history of negating your experience where like, you don't say anything, you don't say anything, you don't say, that's that's your MO, you don't say anything, right? Th- that that compulsivity, that, um, that that's where the, there's a possibility for maturity because you just keep doing this old thing and that maturity is, no, what is it that is good for me? Exactly. What do I need? Yeah. 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 Maturity is in choosing, and pleasure and desire is right there in the most sacred word that is the word no. That's the most sacred mm-hmm. word for me. No. Right. So, can be. Can be that you swallow the rotten food, but if you do that, it's because you so choose to, not because it's a given, not nor because it's expected of you, because it's an offering. So then, then there's even there. Then you can even be like so magnanimous and generous as to offer your very life for what is worth living. Like uh, Shakespeare said in in one line, like you do take my life when you take the means whereby I live. So it's mm-hmm. about the reasons, and it's it's in this choosing. Like I choose to eat the soup, or I choose to eat the mango. And the thing is, choosing. And and choosing wisely and fully informed 
from the societal moment, the context, the past, the future, and most especially your immediate inseparable bound to reality that is experienced in a naked way through your felt sense, through your senses. Yeah. Then you know, because like Martha Graham said, the body never lies. And then it's you, it's really you who is showing up at the encounter with reality, mm. with life, with the world. And right there and then, which is here now, is where change happens in you, in society, in the world, for the better. And, mm. and in fact, this is the ulti only ultimate reality, the present, experienced fleshly, through actions, molding materially the yeah. world. And there's a tone of pleasure. A tone of in pleasure. Being this, yeah, in being this, let's say, embodied, this in this state of made flesh, which is our natural state. And you see it in the hunters, in like in the guys hunting. And you see it in the lioness. That's our natural state. When you are alive, dreaming, ready to snap, but resting in the present. Mm -hmm. it, this is a sensuous state. Right. So, uh, and it doesn't require... Well, I just want to highlight something. Earlier, you said um, regarding boundaries, or well, you said this uh, no is a sacred word. And that what came to mind was boundaries, right? Uh, and I think there's a lot of yes. conversation around what, you know, how to have boundaries. But what I, what I think you're making essential here is that boundaries come through your sensation, through your ability to be connected to yourself. And, and then there's also this piece around the hunter. Or the lioness, yes. which are sources yes. of aggression, which is another form yes. of holding a boundary, right? Yes. Sensualness yes. is this ability to be resting and to be aggressive and to move between the two. It's a it's a vitality. Yeah, it it's to be at the very edge of life. It's it's really really being right here now ready for what comes and that's why we are here because our ancestors found a way <laughs> to have us offspring to, to live enough to have offspring that had offspring that led us to here and this comes back to what we said in the beginning of pain and pleasure like this is ingrained in, in very specific neural pathways. In very like pleasure has a very specific brain chemistry, as well as pain, as well as well as a survival responses, adrenaline, and then cortisol. And then we have 
dopamines and we have a lot of stuff going on. But the key thing that I want to, to make clear in regards to maturity, sensual pleasure and boundaries is one thing that is choosing. Mm. Because before you say yes to something, you have to say no to something. You have to choose. Either I go right or I go left. If you choose to eat the mango, it's because you decided not not eating, like not keeping yourself from the experience, meaning you decided to authorize yourself to that experience of pleasure. And of course, it can happen automatically. You can like indulge and engorge in all the donuts in Starbucks and like in all the, I don't know, like uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> delicatessen feasting. <laughs> like you don't even think about it. But if, if, if it's not delivered, then you're very close to falling into compulsion, mm. into into a habit. And that that is not sensual and it's not sexy. Right. Compulsion, it's not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's sexy? What's yeah, that? no, it's like, come on, wakala. Disgusting. But <laughs> what's really hot, it's intention. Mm. It's delivered delight and that requires maturity Mm. and the maturity that rests in choosing in saying yes you why because i say so if you so wish to don't deny no (laughs) don't deny the experience with let's say in an encounter rather than not being able to help yourself because you fall on autopilot, which is part of numbness. Like overeating is a kind of numbness. And that's one of my my specialties in my col- in my collection of compulsive behaviors. Like I have found myself eating a whole pizza. You know a pizza from Domino's Pizza, from Pizza Hut? <laughs> they are huge. Oh, Yeah, sure. I have like a black constrictor stomach that like my stomach stands <laughs> to the infinite. And Me too. <laughs> I Me too. realize myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not feeling so bad now. Oh, oh my God. And, no, 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 you worry. That, I, can, I can get after a pizza too. <laughs> yeah, and it has happened to me that that I realize that I am eating pizza on the very last slide when I say like, oh, or no, there, there are no more slides. Like this is the very last one. So I better enjoy it because like, of course I can order another pizza and it's going to take one hour and then like, it's not going to be the same. So 
and, and, and it's very sad. Like I, I wasted the whole pizza just swallowing dough <laughs> with cheese, wasting the opportunity of delighting in the pizza. Mm. And it happens with a lot of things. Like I, I have a wonderful collection of compulsions and an endless list of numbing out habits and, and abilities. Because why? Yeah, some, sometimes yeah, you, you need to, to fall in, in, into your old kind of belonging and coping with reality. But I can assure you that all of those moments I have felt not like myself. I felt mm. blurry. And oftentimes those are um, part of my coping mechanisms with derailing experiences. And like, well, like whatever it takes to somehow get out of the hole until I can like re-regulate and like feel like myself again. But the idea is that that one develops the the ability to rely less on on those like childhood or childish means that has less to do with yourself and has to do more with society and your and your enlightened household <laughs> and upbringing and instead remember who you are but not the description not the credentials but remember how does it feels like to be yourself and there's a wonderful uh, ATM collection from Feldenkrais that is called The Five Lines, which paradoxically are some of the most simple and fundamental lessons, but at the same time, some of the most advanced. I am revisiting The Five Lines lessons like 22 decades after my first encounter with them, and it's like, wow, it's like, okay, this gives me a closer sense of self, which in no means it's solid or unchangeable, but it's a, a kind of reliable, reference of self and there's pleasure to it not an over the top with extra whipped cream and and chocolate flakes and sprinkly things and butterfinger on top kind of pleasure what was that (laughs) phrasing I didn't quite catch it yeah, what was that phrasing? That kind of uh, sense of self. How did you phrase that? Yeah, kind of. the The idea of the five lines of of connecting 
I I have a sensation of my five lines, like like a stick figure of mm. referring yourself like in a very abstract way, just like having five lines, the, the line of the school spine, sacrum, and two lines of the arms, and the lines of the pelvis, including the iliums. And there's, there are, are a lot of like extravagant explorations around that. Very delightful, especially coming from OG Dennis Leary. And to me, <laughs> to me, this idea of the five lines, even more than the skeleton, gives a reliable reference of the self mm. like if i am confused like who am who am i what i am doing here like if i fall into existential angst or if i find myself in a contentious uh criminal trial against my neighbors that put a wall in the middle of my yard it's like what am i doing here and like Mexico is apocalyptic and what the fuck with the being in the sixth massive extinction like we are living in kind of heavy metal hardcore dark times 100% <laughs> also yeah. very luminous really but it's like where am i what i am doing here and what i tell myself in a discursive way, like what I say to myself, it's not enough. Sometimes it's soothing. I can even uh, I can even be gentle and accepting to myself, and like refrain from negative self-talk. But there's nothing like coming to the sensations and referring to oneself in the sensation of the five lines that maybe for for someone that doesn't have an idea of what am i talking about the bones are a good idea like mm. <laughs> instead of looking at yourself in the mirror and finding the open pores and the new wrinkles and the wrinkles in the neck and white hairs and like time passing by through you and then forgetting stuff and stuff <laughs> instead of that and in order to to see the beauty that you do are in the mirror, a good reliable place to look for the self is in the sensations of your bones, of your skeleton, or the five lines if you want to be more Feldenkraisly sophisticated. But the the skeleton has everything to do with who you are rather than what happened to you hmm. you are not what happened to you you are you <laughs> yeah. and then if you can rest if you can get grounded like in in in, in this solid core of yourself that are your bones standing negating gravity within the gravity field and the same time being carried by the air, right. then you can get a very real sense of yourself. And there's like a vibrancy 
because our bones are not dead bones. Our bones, quoting Ruti Alon, beloved teacher, mm. Ruti Alon said that our bones are pink. And that's the truth. Our, our bones are alive because they have blood inside and they have mm. cells that are continually eating bone and building bone, the osteoblasts and the osteoclasts. And inside the bones, you have your bone marrow with the totipotential cells, which are mother cells. I don't know the term in English. Mother cells, isn't it? The, sure. the kind of cells that can become that uh, can, oh, can become any other kind of stem cells. Yeah, yeah. Okay. those are inside the bone marrow. So there's that's a, a real place in you where you can rest. And mm. I mean real, like <laughs> bones are real, really real. Bones are not ideas, thoughts, or beliefs. You can you can rely on your bones. You are actually currently resting in your bones. You are not a dough of flesh spreading in the floor, thanks mm. to your bones. <laughs> so this is an example of getting a sense, a fleshly felt sense of who you are through the sensations. And on top of this, like, okay, now you have a body, then let's thread your brilliant intellect and your emotions and your history and your dreams and your beliefs and your place in society and everything. But having this uh, sense of yourself grounded in your living existence so, like, <laughs> yeah, th this is more important than quantum physics. Why? Because your, your plain physiology has to do with the very matter of life and death. That's why essential pleasure is so important. I feel like you just uh, laid it out so perfectly there. Perhaps that's a good place to close the conversation for today. This has been super awesome. Thank you for laying this all out. I'm sure people are going to be like reflecting on this for a long time because there's so much here. Um, well, would you please share a little bit of where people can find more about you? Sure, Jeffrey. I, I invite everyone to come to my website to grab the free guide to awaken sensuality it's at www.centrodepoder.com which means center of power in spanish and it's spelled www.centrodepoder.com and then you will also get for free the sensual sessions podcast have amazing guests like Jeffrey himself. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Candia. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. That's my conversation with Candia Raquel. You can find all the links in the show notes. 
Also in the show notes, you'll find links to sign up for my newsletter and learn more about my courses and offerings coming up soon. As always, I invite you to share what you found interesting in this show through conversation with a friend or a loved one. By sharing what we learn, we do two things. We deepen our learning by making more associations, and we stitch the world together through shared understanding with others. My final question for you today is, what is your relationship between numbness and sensuality? Thank you for your attention.